Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm Brandy. And I'm Chris. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for this week's episode, Terror in Texas. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brandy. <laughs> I listeners. Have, I've missed you the last few episodes. Yes, I've missed you. I've been hibernating. You know, it's winter. <laughs> it is winter. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad to have you back. Well, I'm so glad to be back. It's been a very busy February. I know. I know. It's you, been, <laughs> it's, kept... it's been busy since the beginning of the year. So, um, but I'm glad. I'm glad you're back. Well, you know, you've kept me off the show. So <laughs> that is a lie and not true. Yeah, I've, been, I've been playing the world tours of <laughs> of two fabulous bands. That's right. Well, good to have you back. I'm glad you're here. Um, and and sipping some good wine with me. Sipping some good wine. We had some good food. Yes, we well. did. We are sipping on Joyful Acres, which is a pecan-aged Merlot by Two Brothers Winery. So we'll tell the listeners all about that and the food uh, you paired with that wine during during our wine recess. Uh, Chris, we have a few Patreon members to welcome. Sally Irving. Hey, Sally. And James Hanger. Hey, James. Thank you very much for joining us. Yes, thank you both so much for supporting us. um, And welcome to our Patreon all right, babe, are you ready to get into this week's case, Terror in Texas? The Terror in Texas, absolutely. Yeah. All right, friends, it's time to sip some wine and talk some crime. This week, we are discussing two cases involving one of the most horrific acts you can inflict on someone, Chris. This runs deep with me, honey. Um, and, and that is murdering a mother for their unborn or newborn child. Uh, in in a, in hopes to care for that child. In I mean, hopes, yes, yes. Um, so I, so maybe sometimes, maybe not all the time, but yes. Uh, in these two instances, uh, now, Chris, one of them we've already covered. I already covered one of these cases, and that was the Taylor Parker episode, which is listed as episode number eighty-seven on Apple mm-hmm. for those that want to listen. But there was an update in this case. Um, an update since that episode that I want to make sure everyone knows about. So when we covered this case, Taylor Parker had been convicted of killing Reagan Hancock and her unborn child, Braxlin Sage Hancock. Chris, jurors took less than an hour to convict the 30-year-old, um, 30-year-old Taylor Parker of this crime. What we didn't have back then that we have now is her sentencing. So in November of 2022, Parker was given the death penalty. Chris, she is now one of seven women that currently sits on death row here in Texas. That was a wild case, too. Yeah, it was. Lots of shenanigans going on. Yeah, and she's also the youngest person to be sitting on Texas death row. So she is one of seven, um, but she will spend the rest of her life um, behind bars. We know there are women that are sitting on death row in Texas that have been there quite a long time. Yep. So, um, you know, it's funny, Chris, I thought when I, when I, I knew the number was, was very low. I think of men on death row in Texas. I don't have that exact number. And then I think of other places and how often they put someone to death. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. I, maybe this is an episode we can, we can do down the road of what does the death penalty really mean? Because there are people that have been sitting there for years and years and years and years. So what is the state waiting on? 
I, I, I have, I have questions around the death penalty and, and what it actually means. I know what it means, but what, who and what makes the decision of how long someone actually sits there? Anyways. Well, lots of people appeal as well too. And so that's probably, yes. what, and, and keeps them there. And so they can extend that out. Yeah. So it's, I don't know that it's necessarily always just a decision that, oh, well, this person has three weeks, this person has mm -hmm. 12 years. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's just being appealed over and over again. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll uh, we'll look into that. How quickly but, um, do you think something... they should be on death row for? <laughs> I don't know. So you're all for killing people. That sounds. No, like... I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. Um, I, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you're convicted of something and you get a sentence, that means something to the courts, right? That means something <laughs> to the law, though. Like that. That actually. It, it determines how things go for you in prison, where you are, how many appeals you get, whether you have. Um, I think they appeal until they actually come up. But I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, Anyways. Be a good Google search there. Do oh, the Google. Um, the other case, honey, we're going to talk about today is Heidi Broussard and her three-week-old child. Um Heidi and her and her newborn daughter go missing from their Austin home in December of 2019. So this is not an old case. This is a pretty recent case. A week later, Chris, Broussard's body is found stuffed in a duffel bag in the trunk of a car in, in the driveway of a home in Jersey Village, Texas, which is right near Houston. Uh, the home is occupied by Broussard's longtime friend, Megan Faramuska and Faramuska's ex-boyfriend, Christopher Green. Christopher Green actually owns this house. Okay, mm -hmm. I want to make that clear. Uh, Megan does not own this home. Uh, police knock on the door, and there they find Megan Faramuska um, and the newborn baby of Heidi Broussard. So what happened to Heidi? All right, Chris, I titled this Terror in Texas. Because the details of this case really are just so hard to believe, just like we talked about the Taylor um, Taylor Parker case. The fact that we as human beings meet people, we trust people, and then to think that this can happen to someone beautiful, young, a young mother, by the hands of her good friend who actually was in the hospital when and when she had this baby is extremely disturbing. And what we're about to talk about was um, thought out for nine months. This was not a heat of the moment. This was not a sudden jealousy. Um, this is not someone who just decided one day to wake up and take the life of this woman. This is a very, very planned out attack. Four weeks after, um, excuse me, four weeks before Heidi Broussard's body is found, she is in the hospital giving birth to a baby girl whom she named Margot. Right by her side, um, after Margot was born, are just just a few people. I mean, we know this, Chris. We've had babies. <laughs> we know that there aren't a lot of people hanging out waiting on you, right? It's your close people that that are that are really there in in those moments, mm -hmm. um, and that includes Megan Faramuska. So Faramuska was there when Broussard um, had her child. They, those girls met when they were 11 years old. They met at a church camp called the Texas Bible Institute. Um, from what people said, these girls were close, the best of friends. 
Heidi Broussard, both of them are 33 years old when this happens. Um, so they were friends for 20 years, over, over a little over 20 years when this happened. Um, Chris, Heidi had a son in 2013, and these two women shopped together for that baby. She went to a doctor's appointments with Heidi. She was very much involved with helping Heidi prepare for her children. She was with her during both of these pregnancies. Uh, Broussard was engaged to be married to a man named Shane Carey. Now, Shane would ultimately help sort of piece this timeline together. Um, so will Christopher Green when it comes to Faramuska. But since Faramuska stayed in their home um, during the time that Heidi had given birth and the day after, he was really able to um, sort of help police kind of understand what was going on um, during those days. Um, now, while Broussard was pregnant, okay, Chris, Heidi Broussard's pregnant, Faramuska then tells her boyfriend at the time that she's also pregnant. So she starts to share this information with other people. So now we think, wow. I mean, think about what Heidi Broussard and other people were thinking. Wow, two really close friends pregnant at the same time. You know, or at least that's what Broussard and Faramuska's boyfriend at the time were led to believe was that Faramuska was pregnant. That's a little different than like two girls going to the bathroom together, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's real different, right? Um, but they, they, I mean, yeah, you know, I think about this because I have friends that I've had for years and years. And, you know, I know people who've had kids very similar times on purpose, really, or or just being able to get pregnant at the same time as one of your friends and how special that can be. So she has now led on during Broussard's entire pregnancy that she, too, is carrying a child. Okay. All right. So a nurse um, at the hospital, Chris. So so. Broussard is is now having this child. She overhears Faramuska talking to Broussard at the hospital and tells her that she's about 37 weeks pregnant. And not even showing, correct? No, she, mm, questionable. We'll get into that in a little bit. She's like going to IHOP a lot. or Yeah, yeah. Some people would, um, a few people have come out, which I'm going to discuss. A few people came out that had, that met with her like at the beginning, would have been at the beginning of the pregnancy and then towards the end. And they did say they noticed a difference in her stomach and she looked like she was waddling a little bit. But um, we'll get into that in just a bit. But she this could, is she important. Like that girl that asked you for the lighter last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That we were questioning. Yeah, that was questionable. Or you weren't. I was. Um, yeah. So it's like she's 37. And, and you know what? This nurse actually ends up telling police this story. Um, and, and thankfully, she overheard this coming from a third party. And Here's the other thing. People are now in the room holding this baby, right? So everybody's sort of passing Margo around. Well, Shane Carey's father, the grandfather, is going to hold the baby. And Megan Faramuska, like, grabs the child and almost, like, inter inter almost interjects in between the handoff of the child to Shane Carey's father. So people thought that was awfully strange. She said something like, I have to go. I can't be here long. I want to hold the child um, before I go. It was, it, people just thought it was very odd in the way that she was acting in, at the hospital. Um, now, 
I'm going to recap this real quick because this might seem a little all over the place. So I want to make sure that we kind of stay in the timelines because she gives birth. Okay. She gives birth. Um, This is when Megan Faramuska tells her friend, you know, hey, I'm about due as well. Like I'm 37 weeks now. Um, She has the baby. She is there visiting Okay, she's from from Houston. She lives in the Houston area. So she's coming down to Austin while her friend's having this baby. So Chris, she is going to stay at Heidi Broussard's home for those one or two days. So Broussard's fiance gives Megan Faramuska a key to the house so she can have access while she's there, right? So Shane Carey will end up telling the police that he and Heidi could not find that key once they returned home, even though Megan Faramuska told them she was going to leave it on the table when she left. Now, Chris, maybe they just assumed she kept the key, but this has been a 20-year friend of hers. So, which is why I believe they didn't go banging down her door looking for that key, right? Like if we give someone a key or, or someone's staying here and we've known them that long, we're in it, it. I mean, we might ask them about it, but they didn't even really, I mean, they didn't really ask her about it. I'm assuming they just thought she had it. And this girl has been in her life so long that, you know, why not? She comes and visits. So why not? They didn't make a big deal out of it, nor did they look or ask her for the key, but they could never find it. Um, People that engaged with Faramuska over those nine months, including her ex-boyfriend, said that her stomach hardened and grew during this period. Well, her ex-boyfriend will eventually tell police that due to their relationship being rocky, so they end up actually breaking up like March or April time frame. Now, remember, this happens like in December. So she's not really, he's not really seeing her. He's not sleeping with her. He's not seeing her nude. He's not. In fact, he tells that to police. He's like, we kind of broke up and I've never seen her bare stomach. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So really, has anyone actually seen her stomach, felt her stomach? Um, Because the other girl um, in episode 87. Mm Mm-hmm. On Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. and others. Didn't she like eat a lot of food and try to gain yeah. weight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of Jersey Mike's subs. And- yeah. Just to put on the weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not uncommon. I mean, there's plenty of cases we've read and, and seen, and they go to big extremes to make sure that they can pull this off. And so, so he had tells the police eventually, I don't know. If she was actually pregnant, she said she was, she looked like she was at one point, but I actually never saw her bare stomach. Now, Chris, this is interesting. Faramuska ends up going to jail in 2018. So this is shortly before um, this happens in 2019. So she is arrested um, on a theft charge. She's accused of stealing money from an Ace, an Ace Express check cashing business where she was the assistant manager. Now that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not only a I'm, felony. That's a felony. And so her boyfriend at the time, Christopher Green, bails her out and she is given a court appointed attorney. So this is where I think things, I don't know if this is where things started for her, like after this arrest. 
and in and and then all of a sudden her her thought process was not right or she was trying to I don't know. Um it seemed like after this incident um by the way it actually was dismissed. This case was dismissed against her for this theft charge. But this is important because she had a court appointed attorney and this court appointed attorney told um, police that when he would meet up with her, she clearly did not look pregnant in the beginning, which would have been sort of in the beginning of those nine months. But he said by the end, by the time this case was dismissed and he had met with her multiple times towards the end, he said she clearly looked like she was pregnant. He said, listen, I'm a dad. I have a wife. I've had, she's had kids. I know the pregnant waddle. And he said she had the pregnant waddle and she was pre- like, I felt and, and saw that I felt like she was pregnant. Now, I have to look on TikTok tonight for a pregnant waddle. Okay, well, pregnant waddle, first of all, is easy to do if you've done it before and you want to do it when you're not pregnant. I got it down. I can do the pregnant waddle. No problem. You know, why didn't she just get pregnant? (sighs) Maybe she couldn't. Her ex-boyfriend, they weren't even together eventually. I don't, you know, she just told him that she was pregnant. They ended up breaking up. Very shortly after she breaks that news to him. This is very early on in the so-called fake pregnancy. It could have been an act of keep them together. There's got to be somewhere to go on a Friday night and (laughs) get knocked up. Well, she, I don't know. This woman was, she went to big extremes for this kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, it's just so, so puzzling. Like you could get, I mean. That's what I mean. Could she not get pregnant? How'd she know she couldn't get pregnant? I mean, there are reports that she couldn't get pregnant. There's reports that she had maybe had gotten pregnant at one point. But I mean, I don't know. It's like, first of all, Megan Faramuska to me. Can't be because she didn't want the baby weight because she was gaining weight. I'm going to say that if you, Megan Faramuska, I don't know. She was probably very different early on when she, when I saw the picture of her, her mugshot, it looked like she was losing her hair. It looked like she was probably, like you said, had to just, um, I mean, she just looked very disheveled. She just looked very stressed. I mean, as though she had, I mean, think about this. She's had to live this lie. I mean, she has to lie to people. She has to pretend that she's there for her friend who is a who was going to have this baby. She has to keep up the the facade with the boyfriend who really doesn't want anything to do with her. I mean, she just didn't look um, like pictures from from a couple, even just a couple years before that. So it looked like it had gotten to her, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. There. Um, if you look at both of these women, I, I feel like there is just a, um, you know, you can see why the jealousy could have possibly been there for Megan Faramuska. Um, Her life is not going well. She's arrested in 2018. Her friend is now engaged and about to have her second baby. Um, so, you know, it, um, it was starting to come on to her. One other thing I want to mention, Chris, is uh, before we go into our wine recess, um, that same attorney also told um, police and just said in interviews that a part of what um, a part of their job is to look for mental health issues in their clients. Right. Uh, 
this would raise red flags. This is something they always look for. And he mentions this. He says, we are required to look at this. If we have a concern about our mental health, we will have a psych done, have them evaluated in some way. He says, I had no concerns whatsoever when I interacted with her. And their last meeting happened in November, not long before Margot was born. And now it's time for a wine recess. All right, babe. You want to talk about the food and the yummy wine we're drinking? Sure, babe. I'll talk about the yummy wine and the food. <laughs> so I made some oven-baked ribs with homemade barbecue sauce. We want to make sure we clarify it's oh, homemade. so good. It was so good. I and go, it, did you make this homemade? He goes, yes. I was like, oh, man. Well, okay. we had no barbecue sauce, so I had no choice. Well, I love it. So no sweet baby rays <laughs> in, the, in the fridge, and so I just had to whip a little something up. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it did come out pretty good. Nice vinegary-based um, barbecue sauce or glaze, I guess you could say. And so, and to go along with that, some Brussels sprout and bacon hash. And then we paired that with a Merlot from Two Brothers Winery. Yes. Um, this, okay, so Chris, you know, I'm not like a huge Merlot drinker. You're not? No. I mean, I like some Merlots. It's probably because we've been drinking a lot of not... Texas wine and there's not a whole heck of a lot of Merlots. Well, I've just, but, I, but I've kind of like always Merlot. been like that. I, like I mean, I... I, I was like Pinot better, but I yeah, like yeah. So I would say I was always, if I'm, we're talking about just wines we've had in the past, pre podcast, pre podcast, pre really diving into Texas wine. Um, I would say Pinot Noir was probably my go to, along with um, I don't know, a good like Chardonnay if I could find one. Um, but I, when I taste, first of all, this is a pecan infused, a pecan aged say, Merlot. Yes, pecan aged. I'm not, sorry, infused. not infused. Excuse We're not me. Not pecan wine. Pecan aged Merlot. Yes, yeah, so I didn't know if that was um, pecan barrels, pecan like staves to uh, impart the flavor of the pecan wood, or well, a was pecan, it pecan essence? So it did kind of have a little bit of a um, earthy. Mm-hmm. Initial kind of, uh, you know, amongst the first gulp, I guess you could say, but very smooth, nice finish. I thought a lot of the wine had, it was in the end, the finish of the wine is where I got a lot of the, most of my flavor. Yeah. I thought, but I thought it went well with the, with the ribs. It did. You know, they were kind of sweet and savory, rich, fatty. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Brussels sprouts, a little bit of bitterness. And I love the name of it. So the name of the wine is Joyful Acres. And named for Grandme and Granddaddy's Farm, Joyful Acres is a pecan-saturated Merlot brimming with nostalgia. I yeah, well, if we ever meet them, we'll have to ask the process of pecan. Oh, we're definitely going to meet wine. them. Because um, <laughs> I was looking on Two Brothers Winery. First of all, this winery is in Keller, which is not very far from where we are. So we're going to come visit Two Brothers Winery. Check them out at twobrotherswinery.com. Um, really very, very mellow, easy drinking. Very mellow. And they have a date night bingo night, honey, in oh, March. <laughs> it's on my calendar. My yeah, I'll go. I'll it's like it's date night. I have to bring you. Um, Two Brothers Winery, we're going to come see you. We're going to come to date night bingo. So save us a spot. No, we'll register. Just kidding. Uh, so try this wine, Joyful Acres. Visit twobrotherswinery.com. They're just right there in Keller, Texas. So I know all of my Dallasites are always looking for good wineries in the area. So please check out Two Brothers Winery. Um, yeah, go to their website, twobrotherswinery.com. And hun, thank you for the food. As always, sure. it was delicious. And um, you're right. It was a perfect pairing um, for this wine. 
Okay. They're, they're I, all, aren't they all perfect? Just perfect, right? I, I always say that. And Amazing you put and so much love into it, you know? It's just, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. You make beautiful pictures and beautiful food. I don't, so I don't often you. cook ribs. And no, you don't. I was actually in the oven, but I thought they came out pretty nice. And I love ribs, and you don't really eat them. So no. when you were making them, I was very excited. I felt like it was I kind of for I me. Had any, well, no, I did. I yeah, had, you had some. I did have some. Actually, I had them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had very little, though. <laughs> I had I had a lot. <laughs> um, that was your plate. We took the picture of. That was not my plate. So. All right, babe. Yeah, Unbeknownst to everyone, I don't eat a whole lot of the stuff I make. So. <laughs> I do enjoy making it. Not though. because he doesn't love it, but because I think people just who cook don't. I don't know. My don't know. my sister's kind of like that. Snacked she... so much and drank so much while I've been making it. I'm just like over it by the time it's all created. So. All right. Well, great job, honey. And thank you to Brothers Winery for for giving us and sending us this wine to share with our friends. Um, go visit them and tell them your friends at Texas Wine and True Crime sent you. All right, honey, let's get back into this case. So remember, I mentioned earlier that a nurse told the police she overheard Faramuska telling Heidi that she just had a couple, she was just a couple of weeks away from giving birth. Well, we know she faked the pregnancy, okay? So for nine months, Chris, she was not pregnant. Um, And then I was thinking to myself, then why tell people that? And the only reason to tell someone that for this long period of time is because this is a calculated, premeditated crime that took a lot of planning, took a lot of lying, took a lot of faking, I mean, imagine this. Your best friend who you believe is happy for you is secretly planning to take your child. I mean, does it get any more unreal and crazy and heartbreaking than that? I mean, I I just, it's just so disturbing. Heidi and her daughter disappear on December 12th and her body is found on December 19th. So we're going to start talking from December the 8th. This is when people start wondering, um, you know, Shane Carey, the fiance of Heidi Broussard, finds out on December 8th and December 9th that Heidi Broussard, um, excuse me, that Megan Faramuska has given birth. Now, the only way he would know that is if his fiance Heidi Broussard told him that. He didn't see any pictures. He tell, I did. He says, I didn't see any pictures. I was just told that Faramuska gave birth. Okay, so this is three days before her dis- before Heidi Broussard's disappearance. A person who lives at that same apartment complex where Broussard lived um, just happened to have some video cameras outside of the residence that captured a vehicle consistent with Faramuska's car driving at the apartment complex around nine a.m. on December twelfth. This is the same day that Broussard and Margot went missing. Another witness said that on December 12th, she saw a woman at the apartment complex carrying a small baby and walking towards a parked car. The witness told police that she saw a woman exit that car, hug the woman carrying the baby, and then both women and the child get into the car. So this is an eyewitness to this. Uh, This person did not say that she was physically pushed in the car. She just got into the car. No stress. There was no stress happening. Um, So on December 19th, so this is is the week later when the body is found, the witness was presented with a photo lineup, um, which had Faramuska in it. 
And she was positive that the woman she saw in the front seat of that vehicle at the apartments was Megan Faramuska. Um, according to an affidavit, T-Mobile um, data service revealed that, that Megan Faramuska's phone was in the Austin area near Broussard and Shane Carey's apartment on December the 12th. So authorities start, okay, I want to I want to say this first. If people don't know this case, Chris, this was like a national case. When when she went missing, I mean, it was all over the news. Texas Rangers got involved, other police departments got involved. There was a there, they were FBI was involved. They were looking for this girl and her her and baby. brand new baby, yeah. two three week old baby. Um, so it was a huge manhunt. Um, and so they start asking friends who who are in family, who are her friends, who are people she she hangs out with, who would want to take this woman, who could take this woman and a baby. Um, so they start really honing in on who she was associated with during these few weeks before she disappears. So because Faramuska's name is coming up so much and because of the eyewitness and different things that um, are, are all seeming to line up, they actually start surveying the house that they believe she's in. Okay. So this is a Houston area home where they believed Faramuska was living. They find her car parked in a way in the driveway that appeared to be attempting um, to hide it. So it, that looked a little strange. Um, so they kind of, they're watching the house and they see a male leave the home and they follow this person. So they reach Christopher Green. Christopher Green is the ex-boyfriend of Megan Faramuska, but he is letting her live there right now. Okay. He's letting her stay there. So they, they meet up with him. She's exchanging him seeing her belly. Well, no. Um, I know, I'm just saying. Mm, she has a baby now, remember? I know. Yeah. So this is where it gets real strange. So he he um, is a, approached by police officers in the Target parking lot. He's going to buy things for a baby. So police approach him and he says, yes, that's my house. I live there. And they show him a picture of, of baby Margot Carey. And the man said, <laughs> that is the baby living in my house. So those are his words. That's the baby at my house. So he tells police, you know, are you going to go get her? Like he, they start to tell him about the missing woman and the missing baby. And the man explained, and Christopher Green tells them that they had broken up. Like I said earlier, they had broken up way back in March. He had not seen her bare stomach. And so, you know, they were like, well, how how did you not know she gave birth? And he tells them an interesting story, and Megan Faramuska will tell them this same story. She tells him on December the 12th that she left to go to the beach with her cousin. When Faramuska, um, she tells her ex-boyfriend, Christopher Green, hey, don't be mad at me, okay? Don't be mad at me, but there's a baby here. And I went off and I had the baby. I went into labor and I delivered the baby and I and I wanted to just surprise you and show you. Well, so you know, every she every not only woman she not only tells him beach, that right? yeah, but she not only tells him this, she tells a Texas Ranger this story. Okay? Because they're now at the house. 
Now they're waiting on search warrants. Chris, they can smell the, the scent of the body in the car. They, they knew walking up to that home that something was not right, but they wanted to make sure the baby was okay. So they restrained her in the backyard for seven hours until the warrants were drawn up in the courts and they and could watch the baby. They could officially, they were, the police were inside with the baby. They ha- they couldn't physically take the baby. They wanted to make sure that the warrants were served, that they, and this will come up in court. So I'll talk about that in a second, but they did not want to do an unlawful search of the car or the home until they received the warrants, because if this was ever going to go to trial, they knew that they had to do it the right way. And, and after they have now talked to Christopher Green and Christopher Green has given the story and they approach um, Megan Faramuska and she tells them that same thing. They ask her, okay, well, what is the name of the birthing center or the clinic that you actually went to? And she says, well, I don't remember the name of it. And then she, and then they ask her, well, who witnessed the birth? Well, only the employees that were actually working there witnessed the birth, she tells them. So they're sort of just questioning her through this time, keeping her out of the house is their goal. Um, so once that, um, once those warrants come, they search the home and they said there was no doubt the unmistakable odor of decomposing flesh coming from that vehicle. They opened up the trunk. They had found the body of um, Heidi Broussard and um, she was in a duffel bag with her hands restrained. She had been strangled with a leash and what they do believe was the hands of Megan Faramuska. Um, Thankfully, the baby was safe and okay. They they returned the baby to the father. Um, so so thankfully, um, in this story, we can say that that Margot Carey is okay, and um, sadly she'll be without her mom. But um, you know, thankfully, um, there was a good turnout for for that child. Uh, we can't say the same thing for Megan Faramuska. Um, the the court hearing was in twenty twenty. Now, Chris, I'm sure the defense felt like they were backed into a corner in this case. I- I'm sure they knew she was guilty. Um, they tried to show the court that that basically evidence was illegally obtained, starting with the house thing, keeping her in the backyard. And, and they didn't really want to go and fight this. And they also knew that they could get her, if she could plead guilty, they could get her some sort of sentence that would... Um, hopefully never get her out of prison. So she pled guilty um, to kidnapping and murdering of Heidi Broussard um, and kidnapping of a of a newborn baby. And she is sentenced to 55 years in um, prison. And they, and based on also on that plea agreement, she will never be able to appeal this case. All of her appeals will be exhausted. She will serve... Um, at least those 55 years. Uh, Heidi Broussard's family, just Chris, they just could not understand why someone would do this. Not only someone, but someone who knew their daughter, their sister, their, you know, their niece for 20 years. And then to be so calculated and jealous and wanting her life, you can only assume that's why people do this. They want what they have and they can't have it themselves. So they have to take it. And whether it was jealousy of her life, whether it was 
her wanting to keep her ex-boyfriend. So in order to do that, I have to produce a child. I don't know. But it's sick. And this child has to grow up without her mother because of this woman. Um, and it's just it's just scary and sad that this kind of thing happens in our world, unfortunately. I know. Um, well, baby, that includes our episode, Terror in Texas. It also con- concludes it. <laughs> it does. You can see pictures and posts about this case on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, so follow us there. I was just, it's just such a horrific case. It's just, you know, I, God, like somebody who's just next to you and like talking about your pregnancy. I mean, it's just so, and to be her family and to just this woman just took it all away, you know, just took it all away. Um, Chris, I wanted to choose an organization for tonight's episode in honor of Heidi and her beautiful daughter, Margot. So I chose Water is Basic. Now, this is a um, nonprofit from right here in Texas. This organization believes the water crisis is best solved by those most impacted by it, and that is women. Their mission, we innovate sustainable women-led local solutions to basic water problems. I can't tell you how much I love this. Women entrepreneurs, it's a beautiful, I, I, all I, I, they have like five stars across the board. Chris, they do so much work with international um, um, companies. They go overseas and help so many people. Um, they work to bring water to those who don't receive it like we do every single day. I mean, it's hard to believe that something like water is hard to come by. But for some countries around the world, water is a precious commodity that we all need to survive. And yet we can't seem to find the answer to something like clean water being available to everyone around the world. I agree. Um, you can donate. You can volunteer. There's so many ways to get involved. Um, Chris, they wrote a book. A book was written called I Dream of Water. And this was after they went to go visit South Sudan and made a documentary about what they found and what they saw. And one of the things that touched their hearts and literally put, brought me to a bit of tears, and I was going to try not to cry while I actually told the story, but they met a 12-year-old girl, Chris, that walked two miles three times a day to get gray-colored water from a well for her grandmother and her five younger siblings that she helped take care of. Yeah, that's why it's no big deal for our kid to get up off her ass and come get her own water. From the like, this is the thing. Fa- well, first of all, I'm buying this book, okay? This is a children's book, and they wrote it so kids, other like our kid, like all these other kids that just water is water, right? And we all get it. It's available to really understand what happens around our world and to be a part of that change, right? And to know that there are, you know... There's some kids who not yeah. only do they not get Christmas, while they don't gets, get while fresh she gets water. Bottled water. Yeah, while well, she gets exactly while well, she gets bottled water. Not, not so. even sink water. It's bottled water. <laughs> I'm the only one that drinks sink water. In yeah, Chris Chris wants to put hair on her chest, so he wants her to drink some sink water. But all right. But Chris, this organization, they do so many wonderful things. Um, we're gonna get this book. Please go to their website, waterisbasic.org. Um, you know, I think it's just good for our kids to know how people really have it around the world and that they can really be a part of this change. And it really just opens their eyes. But, um, the documentary won an award. I mean, this, this organization just do some, does some wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and everyone should have, um, accessibility to clean water. 
So let's let's strive for that um, around this world. So please, five dollars, ten dollars, two dollars. It doesn't matter. Every every cent helps. We talk about this all the time when it comes to food pantries. I mean, you have no idea how many people you can feed for five dollars. Um, so you know, maybe skip Starbucks that day and give your five dollars to something else. Um, all right, babe. Until next time, let's stay safe. Let's have some fun. And cheers to next time. Cheers, everyone.